It was a huge night out, and uh, in my drunken stupor, I actually hit my groin on one of those chunky bollards. But as it turned out, it actually wasn't a bollard at all. I was sexually assaulted by Brad Drew. I know it might sound strange to say it, but if I had the choice between keeping Cameron Smith or Augusto Pinochet in power, I'd still lean with Pinochet. The trio would have to be Craig Gower, Jason Moody, and Sam Obst. Because I just can't see another three players fitting in musically with Craig McLaughlin and Check One Two. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of The Voluntary Tackle, the only NRL podcast praying for an end to this horrendous bushfire crisis once and for all. Except for Rolf Harris's house. That can burn. <laughs> I'm your host, Eamon Brown, and today on the show we'll be talking Latrell Mitchell, Brody Croft, plus we get down and dirty the Newcastle Knights. We'll try to find out how they're going to go in 2020. But first, I'm joined in the KGB stronghold by the only man who takes his health so seriously that he now only drinks the milk from his own lactating nipples. Of course, I refer to Xander Risotto. How are you, mate? It's, a, it's actually a medical condition there. Um, uh, oh, so Amy. this isn't with intent? No, no. But okay. I don't, I'm, you know, I'm not one for waste. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that. Um, how do you make uh, the nipples lactate, mate, being a male? It's spontaneous, actually. It uh, <laughs> happens to about 2% of the population. Right. One of the lucky few. That's quite high, to be honest. <laughs> I thought it would be lower than that. I've got no idea, actually. <laughs> Make it enough as I go. I'm naturally curious about this area, as I am with a lot of um, sort of bodily ailments. Um, if you were to dip your nipples in a cold espresso, would that be like drinking an iced coffee? No. Well, I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Um, dispense of this amazing champagne banter, Xander, <laughs> just once and for all. Um, but no, look, just when we thought uh, this saga had ended, Xander, uh, we need to start the show. And I think it'll be the last time. We're going to put a cap on this. The last time we talk about one Latrell Mitchell, because it looks as though things have finally been wrapped up with a nice little bow. That's because the Roosters have put out a release, Xander, saying that he's not welcome at training. There's no home at the inn. You can fuck off. Uh, assume that I'm sort of reading between the lines there. They didn't use the word fuck off or any kind of Bethlehem reference, but that yeah, was kind of what they were saying it, it loud was, and clear. It was a fairly Spartan response, <laughs> I thought, when I when actually reading. There wasn't generally much uh, vitriol in it, but it was pretty matter-of-fact. So it was. Straight I, to the point, wasn't it? I, I, I can kind of sense that there, some of those uh, undertones were maybe intended. I think the wording was he's excused from turning up to training, which is not what you yeah. want to hear when you're... Granted leave, I believe it was. Granted leave, there you go. So, for example, if we were going to our respective Mm. jobs and our employer said, well, you're excused from turning up, you're granted leave from the office, you'd probably think your job's in danger. Yeah, if if you hadn't applied for that leave. No, exactly. (laughs) If it just came all of the sudden, although in this case it clearly hasn't, there's been a lot of steps leading up to this. Uh, So first question, before we delve into where we think he's going to go, because we have some pretty good ideas about that, Let's start with the Sydney Roosters. Have they handled this situation correctly, do you think? Taking a firm stand on the Latrell-Mitchell saga is the right thing to do? I think they were, they were just getting ahead of it, weren't they? I mean, when you, when you think about it, uh, coming back to training on Monday, people were going to cover it and they were going to notice if he wasn't there. So they needed to just basically make it clear that they were excusing him for the time being while he works things out. Yeah. So I think it was a proactive step and, you know, I don't think... It's anything more than that, frankly. What would they have said if they didn't do anything, didn't put out a release, and then he just didn't turn up to training? Because mm. obviously there's a major falling yeah. out there. And the media are asking questions. What would the alternative 
answer be other than tackling it directly like this they could always do the old craig gower approach yeah when he exposed himself at the coochie hotel uh they said he'd pulled a hammy um so you could, <laughs> which was kind of true except he was pulling something a little bit yeah further up but um i don't know if that's something we road that the roosters would want to go down or not I, i'm actually quite happy that we have tackled it directly i think it would have just led to more speculation because it's such a, a you know an easy go-to advice always oh, he's he's, he's got an injury he's working on pre-season somehow you know <laughs> that's right running too fast when he was at home in Tari doing something that's right um no I, I i don't think it would have i think it would have just created more momentum whereas i don't you know since they they said he's been excused from training there hasn't really been much reported on it and it's probably killed the story to an extent whereas if they hadn't um he'd have been a notable absentee mm. and it would have been speculated on and then they would have come out and said that and people would have probably added more fuel to it by saying well you know this wasn't a planned thing because they didn't announce it. Yeah. So they've killed it stone dead. Yeah. A bit like Latrell Mitchell's career now. It's been killed stone dead. <laughs> Although not completely. It is on life support, Xander, because it appears as though... And this there is shades of George Costanza about this. Obviously, uh, <laughs> Latrell, he held out for a much bigger price. We offered him a generous $800-and-something-thousand-dollar-a-year contract. He goes, no, I'm worth a million plus. Shopped himself around... Uh, no one was interested, as it turned out. Well, well no, the Tigers no one... were interested. They well, offered him a pres- everything he asked for. This is true, actually, but <laughs> that, that's the Tigers. They're a bit like a jilted girlfriend. They've come on too strong, and yeah, there's yeah. no way you want to go there because you don't know if you're going to end up with daggers in your back, a bit like Robbie Farah. Yeah, but, you know, he, if he's going to Souths, he could well end up with daggers in his back, right? <laughs> true, but Wayne Bennett doesn't have the requisite thrust to kill you because <laughs> he's so old. Just um, break the skin. <laughs> but that's right. But it, it does have that Costanza feel because from what we can tell, he looks like he's going to be playing for a vastly reduced price this year at South Sydney. I'm hearing reports of $400,000 a year. Yeah. So he's held out for half the price. Yeah, well, that that's exactly right. I mean, I suppose uh, in... Fairness, he'd have been playing the final year of his contract at the Roosters on $400,000, so he's just getting what he was already being paid. Mm. But he could have gone directly to a million dollars at Wests if he wanted, if he was, as he claimed, looking to look after his family and get the best deal possible uh, and play fullback. Whereas it doesn't actually appear as if fullback is a, a guarantee for him at South anyway. No, um, far from. And... With their contracts, he's taking a huge gamble, and I think Andrew Webster had put it in the in the the nine press. He's assuming they're going to shuffle players around for him and make space to pay him what he wants by twenty twenty one. And I don't, yeah, I mean, it's it's not guaranteed to say the least. Um, I mean, I, I can see a situation where South's just out of pure spite to annoy roost, the Roosters, they would they would handicap themselves by paying overs and, and yeah. keep them at the club long term. A but, bit like a hostage. Yeah, but, but then again, Wayne Bennett isn't that type of guy, so... No, well, I mean, it's hard to figure out sometimes Wayne Bennett's mindset, other than the fact that he's definitely a filthy liar, because we, he's 100% has Latrell Mitchell in the club's plans, and <coughs> only a couple of weeks ago said... Uh, categorically that he's not going to Souths. Uh, but that looks as though that it will be the case. As you said, I'm, I'm pretty sure the game plan for Mitchell will be play for a reduced price this year mm. with the intent to get a really lucrative extension from 2021. Mm. Do you see that working out for him? Do you think, because at the moment, this yeah. is, the, the I guess, the question mark I have. His uh, form mm. took a massive downturn 
I think, even though he won the comp, when you compare it to the previous year in 2018. Oh, it was patchy, and I think that was maybe that's that's patchy's charitable. I think. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there were there were definitely moments of sheer brilliance. I mean, that that flick pass in the grand final clearly pivotal i know and um, i'm glad he turned up in that game. <laughs> yeah. um so you know i i think patchy's a fair response and, and given what we now know you know he was you know dumped the manager at the beginning of the year entered into strained relations with his new manager uh, uh was it wayne wade rushton through the middle of the year yeah, he's had three managers yeah. in nine months or something. so i mean you know you got to wonder what's going on why he's why he's had so much trouble with managers i mean what the story is there it's a, it's a bit odd i mean it's not uh, it's not unheard of but mm. you know i mean do you know what I love? That, that out of that story, the bit that I've gleaned that I've, I've fallen the most in love with is the fact that he has three managers. These are people mm. that you pay to advise you. Um, and in between all of that, he's managed to get advised by Anthony Mundine at the same time. Yeah. I hope it wasn't on attitudes towards women. Yeah, or just attitudes in general. <laughs> Anthony Mundine. <laughs> what I think you should do is go on, I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> just... Oh dear. Yeah, I don't want to get into a, a side rant about what we what we think about the the counsel of Anthony Mundine on on. <laughs> oh, mate, I do. I des- <laughs> desperately do. But all right. I'll... But you know, I, I do think that maybe you know his his uncertainty and and all the different people in his year probably would have that would, and and things happening at home probably would have had an effect on his form. But still, he did turn up in some big games. He, you know, notwithstanding the origin sort of kerfuffle. Hmm. Um, Again, charitable. I yeah, like that. Yeah, as you say, that's not perfect form to be bringing into this year and he is at risk of you know like every player uh of missing parts of the season through injury if, if something mm. if if something goes wrong in a game and he you know i mean just like god forbid has a season ending injury then how is he going to negotiate that next deal like that's right uh you've only got one meat wagon and if he fucks that up and i guess speaking of being uh, fucking things up do you think that latrell mitchell has damaged his brand throughout all of this or is this just short-term carnage and he can sort of because he can be so brilliant he'll just glide I think, that by yeah i think i think uh i think it's short term like, i mean he, he it's he's 22 it's absolutely uh recoverable um you know but remember by 22 cooper cronk had four houses <laughs> uh, some people start early and a casino that's um, right and a good portfolio of blue chip <laughs> shares <laughs> but you know like we, I think we all thought, and I don't want to bring up the comparison because there are flaws in it, but we all thought that Sonny Bill Williams was going to be hated forever when he left the Bulldogs in the noughties, right? Mm. Um, you know, that didn't last. He's just so damn likable in this BW, <laughs> isn't he? That's his problem. I liked him the moment he tore up his contract. <laughs> I said, go on, mate. And nothing to do with him being I treated him like free willy. I said, be free, mate. <laughs> just get out there and roam and earn cash. You're not playing for the Blues anyway. Who gives a shit? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Didn't really care. Um, yeah, no, I mean, so there is there is there's certainly precedent. Mm. Yeah, it's not... I don't think it's helped his brand for the short <laughs> term. <laughs> it certainly hasn't. <laughs> but I, I'm like you. I think that uh, because he is 22 and we know his talent, uh, this could be something he can easily assail if he's able to bring his game in 2020. This bec- It actually shapes as a massive year for him as a terms of a fork in the road, isn't it? Because once you play 12 months mm. of patchy, it's not uh, confirmed that you're going to be returning to that form. As I said before, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen through the course of the year that are just beyond your control, frankly. Mm. Um, you know, it's it's 
he'll he'll certainly be motivated. I guess we can put it that way. Like he ought <laughs> to be. You know, he'll be one of those players who'll be trying to prove himself every chance he gets. Well, I hope so. As a as yeah. a person who just wants him to do well, if I put a, put aside the mm. um, the the feeling that I've been stabbed repeatedly in the groin because he's going to Souths <laughs> as a Roosters man, and the fact that I hate his guts right now, I will get over it. I will heal. I'll lick I'll lick my wounds. I'm not going to lick my balls. I, I won't do say, that. You did you did mention being stabbed yeah, in the groin. Yeah, I know. I'll lick my balls. You are bit. flexible though, haven't you? <laughs> I was a contortionist in my youth, and uh, licking my ball sack was one of my special talents. But let's not go into my nostalgia right now because it's time for a Twitter poll. Okay, and that's kind of what this show's about. It's what gives it its credibility, frankly. Um, and we asked our listeners: Is moving from the Roosters to Souths the right move for Latrell Mitchell? Uh, now, do you have any predictions about what the punters said, Zander? I'm I'm going to assume that there were a lot of vocal South fans on that poll. <laughs> they are on Twitter. There's a lot of South yeah. fans on Twitter. Well, they're not employed, you see. Um, well, I can tell you this: it's very close. Uh, but 44.1% said yes, Latrell is doing the right thing. 42% said no, and a humble 13% said it's too hard to tell. Uh, so let's abuse that 13% first of all. <laughs> so you they were fence sitting motherfuckers. They were the, they, those were the 13% of people who do not follow either the Roosters or Souths. <laughs> Possibly, or they're just people advising Latrell Mitchell because they don't know what the fuck's going on either. It's funny though. At this point, it's kind of you know in the you think he's doing the right thing to go to Souths um, category. I think there are some Roosters fans who probably do think that now. Like they they just keen to like there are a few that have that have really turned on him. Um, so you know there are probably a few who are in that category as well i i still maintain it's not the right thing for him to do but um you know i think Ah, it's not a good decision i mean if you place yourself in the opportunity of getting three in a row Mm. in a team that you know that you can thrive in because you've done it before there's a lot of unknown quantities moving Mm. across the south they're no mug team they're going to be definitely a top eight side possibly a top four side this year you'd think or a 16th ranked side (laughs) according to you we'll get to that too Zander (laughs) uh, because we did put out some predictions earlier on uh, which is going to we're going to something that we're going to have to be held to throughout the year that's what I love about it accountability which is something we've never had here on the show before now that it looks as though he's definitely gone who do you think the most likely replacement is going to be for Latrell Mitchell in the centres do you have any ideas about that for me it's it should be giving that Billy Smith kid mm. a go because I went out and watched his debut game um, out at Cogra, and geez, I like yeah, what he I saw. It, didn't he? Yeah, rangy, strong, kind of had shades of Ferguson. Mm. Not that you want to be one of those people that say you're going to be the next this. Yeah, although yeah. I've already done it now, so you better be <laughs> fucking better than Ferguson. Yeah, just just miss out that that um, slightly troublesome period in Ferguson's career and get straight to the good stuff in 2018. I, I suspect because uh, he's still pretty. Fresh, they'll they'll ease him in. They'll probably put um, Bemos in there a fair bit because he's a safe pair of hands, which is effectively what he did in the World Club Challenge when uh, Latrell was available. Did he play centre in that game? Did he? Yeah, pretty sure he did. I mean, he might be right. Uh, he scored three tries in the first I twenty remember minutes. Remember that? Yeah. Um, out, out in that position, so I, I suspect they'd probably push him there because you know, I mean, if like we're we're, we're pretty well covered in the wing position at the moment. Mm. Um, and who do you bring on, Ryan Hall or yeah, someone else? Yeah, I, I mean, is Hall is Hall back yet? I I'm not a fan of his, to be honest. Well, <laughs> I think he was very good at one point. We've seen about twenty five minutes of him. Um, I've seen too much of him. I've seen too many kilos of him. He needs to get on a fucking treadmill. <laughs> Sorry, I hate to be one of those body body fascists again. He is a little bit on the on the heftier side. You have to. You know, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, for in, a winger, I I do remember seeing him when he had that great um, uh, couple of years 
uh, playing against Australia for England and that, in that World Cup final even, even he was electric. Yeah, that was 19 yeah. kilos ago. Yeah. I think it was. <laughs> it was a fair bit 19 of time kilos ago. Or, or 150 Big Macs. <laughs> I mean, as you said, you, on the wing, you can have some size, mm. but you've got to have some speed. And unfortunately, Ryan Hall doesn't have that mm. at the moment. He's a bit like a broken down steam train. Or um, Chris Walker. Or just Chris Walker. <laughs> Certainly broken in the mind. Uh, was poor old Chris. Big <laughs> shout out. Um, well done for landing Kate Ritchie. So just a compliment that doesn't really balance anything, does it? Um, but look, for me, it's Billy Smith. Um, I'd love to see him have a breakout year. I really think he has the capability to do it. That would be my first option. But when it comes to uh, Latrell, before we sign off, now that he has gone to South, so I want to get your opinion, Xander. You've always been his very staunch defender. He's gone to the enemy. Do you hate his guts now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Excellent. Absolutely. So I'm free to make all those fat jokes that I was making before and you were tempering. Yeah, that's right. Fantastic. Now go for your life. All right, excellent. Um, um, all right, here we go. I've got, I've got one, I think. Now, I'm not calling the Trill Mitchell fat, but last week his agents were fielding offers from Japanese whaling vessels. <laughs> Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're talking Brody Croft. Uh, which is very random. I don't think we've ever even mentioned his name on the podcast before. Uh, but I guess to be fair to him, he wasn't really playing a lot of footy last year, Xander. That's because he wasn't getting a lot of love down there at the Melbourne Storm. Sort of rumours and innuendo that he might have had a bit of a personality conflict with one Cameron Smith. Didn't like the style of halfback he was. Now, this is a kid who had huge raps on him in the Queensland Cup. Came into first grade with a big bang, actually. In fact, he had a, an amazing game uh, during the origin period a couple of seasons ago where unfortunately he sunk the tricolours uh, with a magical field goal. I didn't think it was magical at the time. I thought it was fucking shit, uh, especially because I had a big multi riding on it. Uh, but ever since then, he's kind of redeemed himself a little bit in my heart because he hasn't been playing a lot of first-grade football. I guess we're asking on the show today, does Brody Croft have the ability, Xander, to recalibrate the Brisbane Broncos into what they were. They had a pretty shady season last year, finished eighth before getting hammered by the Eels. It was rather embarrassing. Can Brody Croft stem the bleeding? Yeah, he, he certainly can't do any worse than Darius Boyd uh, in, the, uh, in, in the halves. Milford and, and Boyd were probably one of the least effective half com- halves combinations I think I've, I've ever seen. I've got a question for you. Do you think Anthony Seabold was literally choosing positions out of one of those lucky eight balls? Because the idea of putting Darius Boyd, who had already struggled for form for th- mm. two or three years, wasn't cutting it at fullback. You went, let's just make him a six. Yeah, it's an odd one, right? Usually you shift a fullback to 5'8", um, when maybe they're just losing a little bit of pace, but they're still, you know, they're, they're probably getting better in a bit more time. Yeah, usually they're, you know? they're, and they're on the up. Yeah. You yeah. think if you're Darren Lockyer, for example, um, you know, moved into yeah. six and he had the, that was the apex of his career. Yeah, it was an experiment. They wanted they wanted to see if it would work, but he was incredibly successful. I can still remember it being a, a, quite a controversial decision. Why would you shift such an effective fullback to 5'8"? Mm. But he had such clear talents in passing and kicking and vision. Um, didn't work for Ponga last year. No, though. no, don't didn't work for Ponga. Certainly, you know, that logic behind why they wanted to shift um, Lockyer to 5'8 was non-existent <laughs> for Darius Boyd. And... You know, I'm, I don't know if Logic and, and Ponga uh, to six can really be mentioned in the same sentence. <laughs> no, they shouldn't be mentioned in the like, same sentence. You know, he, 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 like on paper, he has a good passing game and some of those things, but 
really no one like no no reading of the game as far as I can tell. He's just an electric sort of like ad lib player. Are you moment. talking about Ponga now? Yeah, yeah, right. Just to be clear, yeah, yeah just to be clear, you know, yeah. electric and not not a term I would I would associate with Darius Boyd. No, unless you're going to strap him to the chair, uh, which I think <laughs> which a lot of Brisbane Bronco fans would absolutely <laughs> love right now. Douse him in some salt water and put some electrodes on his nipples and give him a damn good zapping. Uh, which I'm pretty sure why in Brisbane is still it's still legal. I don't know why I'm still thinking of your lactating nipples. Hopefully that doesn't make you too uncomfortable, Xander. But uh, back to Broden Croft. This is the big thing, and I think his reputation as a player, as a playmaker, took a lot of hits mm. last year. You know, um, everyone thought he was going to be the logical replacement for Cooper Cronk. Um, it didn't work out that mm. way. Uh, but it is an interesting dynamic down there in the Melbourne Storm. You have an institution in Cameron Smith who. It's not an unusual relationship that he has with the coach. I think he has more say and sway down there uh, than any other player would have in another club, for example. I think they talk about tactical selections, mm. Craig Bellamy and, and Cameron Smith. So he's almost a, a sort of surrogate coach in a weird way. So if you fall out of favour with Cameron Smith, I think that means it's curtains for you. And I think there have been previous examples of that. Um, so maybe I'm, I'm, I'm willing to cut Brody Croft some slack for last year. I saw a lot of good things when he first burst into the game. So I have this weird feeling that with a team like Brisbane, who have a, a really great up-and-coming forward pack, they desperately need a half because they've been operating last year virtually without one through bad selections and injury. To me, this could be his year. And I know that a lot of people are going to disagree with me. In fact, we'll go to the numbers in a moment. Uh, people think he's he's cactus. He's not going to offer anything of value at all for the Brisbane Broncos. But for me, I think it's a great move. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's an interesting one because he wasn't, you know, he was he was judged harshly in the context of a very high standard Melbourne Storm system. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. So I think I think that's that's something that you kind of forget is that, you know I mean like the, imagine the, taking Kronk's jersey. Yeah, you know and, and that's the position he was yeah that's the other thing. He's, he, he's trying to take Kronk's jersey in a in a uh, a very efficient um, machine that that like rarely splatters. So it's difficult to take the reins and, and perform, you know, as a, you know, a guy who's basically just out of Queensland Cup, more or less. Yeah, right. Um, and it happens, right? I yeah. think poor old Daniel Wagon took Wally Lewis's 5'8 jersey, <laughs> jersey for Queensland. I mean, that was never going to happen. They did it for fun. But I see what you're saying. There's a lot of expectation. Yeah. The weight of expectation about taking that 7 jersey would have been huge. Yeah, and and, and I mean, you know, frankly, it'll be interesting to see the, the contrast uh, having to operate in that environment and then going to play alongside a guy like Anthony Milford. Um, mm. I think he'll probably shine <laughs> in comparison. <laughs> At least he'll be awake, um, you know, as you've said like before. He, partnering with Munster, um, you know, Munster, you know, had a stellar year. Um, whatever, whatever else you might say about just him. not for the kangaroos. Just not for the kangaroos. But um, yeah, yeah, he, he had an incredible year and um, has has been in incredible form for a while. Uh, so you know, it was it was, I guess, always going to be tricky for him to to really shine in that environment. I don't know about the personal uh, clashes or. You know, all that other kind of stuff, but I didn't think he was awful by any measure. And I could see that there was uncertainty because they kept chopping and changing around mm. uh, their halves. Um, but he, he wasn't. He was certainly effective a lot of the time. You knew, I feel like the, the biggest indicator that there was something sour going on there was the fact that they put Hughes into the seven jersey, mm. who, by the way, is a fine player. He's more of a utility fullback slash wing or something than anything else, maybe even hooker. But he's definitely not a halfback. He's not a halfback's bootlace. Mm. So the fact that they put him in sort of showed that they were willing, that the club wanted to go in another direction regardless of the talent factor. 
he's not exactly breathing down your neck. We don't want you. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was a fairly clear sign. And, you know, he's obviously exited the club mm. now and he's gone to Brisbane. I think like the bit of a symmetry with Latrell Mitchell, mm. this could be a little bit of a um, I need to prove myself kind of moment for someone mm. like Brodie Croft who hasn't established himself really as a consistent NRL first grader as Mitchell has. But I think he has a, a lot of talent to burn. Mm. And this could be a year where just as a big fuck you to Bellamy and Smith, he comes out and has a big year, which is coincidental because if anyone has ever heard any interviews with Cameron Smith, he claims the reason that he's so good is because he's been trying to prove himself as a big fuck you to Brisbane Broncos for his entire career. Who is that right? Who didn't pick him up on a contract. He said he was playing there with a group of players. Yeah. They all went on to become very successful at the Broncos, but they didn't want Cameron Smith. He was sort of an offcut, right? Uh, which I'm sure... They still routinely self-flagellate themselves it's for a little bit like uh, the Raiders turning down Craig Bellamy. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah, and and he went down. I mean, the Melbourne yeah. Storm were made up of a lot of offcuts. Yeah. In fact, uh, I think seventy percent of them were made from the Western Reds. It's because that folded and they went over there. It's not an uncommon story, actually. You know, the the um the the unwanted players from from uh, I guess major establishment teams coming out and, and kicking ass. I've seen it in Union as well. Like, it's it's not so much a story anymore because rugby's more or less dead here now. But, They're all off-cuts. Um, but, They're but, like a giant sausage. <laughs> more or less. It's just, Literally, it is... A, it, They're all made of cow bladder. Rugby Australia right now could be adequately described as a meat grinder. Um, <laughs> but I, I remember uh, reading in the early years of Super, super Rugby, the Brumbies, the Canberra side, um, were more successful than any other side and they universally were, were generally rejects from New South Wales and Queensland. Yeah, right. And they were always out to prove that those guys were basically just the favourite sons that had no talent. Well, this is the very genesis of origin, isn't it? I yeah, mean, yeah. I mean, as yeah. you said, this story's not new, um, but on an individual basis, it, it is, mm. I guess, especially in Australian culture, we love an underdog. We love the guy that, you know, has to try unless over adversity. Unless they're I hate that story. <laughs> I'd much prefer the Blues continue to dominate as they did before 1980. That would have been a better story for me. Not like the Mighty Ducks, just a great team that always wins. You know, it would have been a, probably a less entertaining film. That it wouldn't have been. A, it wouldn't have been a three-act narrative. No, no, but it would have been good for me. There's no. There's 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 uh, there's no uh, hero's journey there. I don't think. <laughs> it's just Emilio Estevez fucking chicks. Them <laughs> just kicking ass in impact broads. <laughs> would make for it's, a great. It's, movie. A, it's just a twenty-year dynasty. <laughs> that says to be it's fucking <laughs> for 20 years. Oh, yeah. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. Now, uh, we're talking Eamon's Thought Bubble. NRL broadcast, Sander, um, commentators in particular, there's a few that we don't like. Um, over the years, there's been poor old Matt Nable, who wasn't very good because he didn't know anyone's name. Who? <laughs> exactly. In fact, that's just the perfect indictment on the man himself. Uh, and so he was roundly executed, so he doesn't do it anymore. But we also have to put up the likes of Ray Hadley. I know you're fairly vocal about that, aren't you? Uh, that's think, all you need, I isn't it? That sound. <laughs> Basically. That's, that's the sound of me pushing the mute button every time his commentary starts. <laughs> that was the sound of your soul aching. Uh, my thought bubble uh, for this particular show was a little bit around the technology sphere. Now, we know that this kind of technological capability exists, but essentially my idea is this. is a commentary team we don't like, then we simply choose one that we do. 
And so what I would propose is with every game of NRL there is, we have about 20 sets of commentary teams so that people sitting back at home can hit a button and they can literally flick through the kind of commentary team that they want. They go, I don't want Ray Hadley calling it like it's fucking AM radio in 1973. I'll go to someone I actually like. Um, so, for example, I don't know, who's your favourite commentator? Uh, Warren Smith. Warren Smith. Yeah. I quite like Warren Smith too. So you could just, for every game, you'd flick through and go, cool, I'm going to take Warren Smith, provided Fox still have the rights, of course. Is there any kind of merit in what I'm saying or am I completely off my tree again? Well, so they actually did um, have this on Fox years ago. Not, not precisely this, but a version of what you're talking about where basically you had the option to turn off commentary altogether I remember this. Um, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, you could turn it off and you can listen to like, you know, a referee's mic instead. Um, okay, that's and interesting. I think, I think that's how it worked. You could, so you could either just have the crowd, you know, the commentators, or you could have like an on-field, you know, uh, mic that where you just hear basically the calls of what's happening in the game and that's wow. it. Wow. So that'd be awesome to be able to choose any mic yeah, around well, the ground. I they didn't give you that level of control, but, you know, you basically, you got those options. Like which was Brad Fittler's dressing room. <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's just a lot hear, of moaning going just on. Just here, well, I, I would have thought it was, you'd, you'd probably hear a lot of yoga instruction. Yeah, you know? a lot of yoga, exactly. And you just downward-facing dog. <laughs> well, again, a lot of moaning going on, and a, and a very quiet, gentle easterly breeze. Yes, that's right. You know, so you, so you were a fan of that when that was in. Yeah, I, I, I um, you know, to be honest, I, I enjoy the commentary. Um, so I tend to, uh, unless it was a really shit commentator, I tended to just leave the commentary on, and I'd occasionally flick around and experiment with it. Mm. But it was, pro- I think, it came across across at the time as being a little bit gimmicky. Do you know what I liked about it? Because I remember that distinctly. Mm. Because I didn't have Foxtel, so I was doing this when I was at mates' places, right? And going, fuck, can we just try it without mm. the commentary? And what I really loved about it was this kind of just ambient sound mm. of the game, and it really felt like you it were feels there. like yeah. It, it, if there's anything that I would say that it would be, if you had a, a, a good ultra high definition, real, uh, you know, like big TV, that it would have a benefit to bring back something like that because it does feel like you're at the game. But back when they had it, you know, you still had pretty shitty TV. So, you know, it, it, you were watching it and listening to it like you're at the, at the game, but just from really shitty seats. But see, everything, <laughs> you know, like, everything's relative though, right? Because back in whatever it was, 2003 when it was around or whatever yeah. it was, like that TV to me at the time was the best thing I've ever seen. Yeah, it was amazing. You hadn't seen ultra high def. Yet. Yeah, but you know, like it was an amazing TV, whereas an ultra high definition TV is like better than real life. <laughs> you know, like it's ridiculous. Sometimes you see like the wrinkles on the referees, yeah. and you're like, I don't really want to see it's, that. It's funny. I remember um, watching uh, what was it? Uh, the, my first sort of um, high definition, uh, like NRL 360, one of those programs after not like never having had that before, and you know it was one. Of, one of those moments where you're like, oh, this is actually a bit too much because of the playing, you know, the actual games. Yeah, it's great to have the high definition. It's beautiful. But when they're, you know, in, in a 74-inch screen, you're seeing the face of like the talking heads of a, of a footy commentary show. Um, it gets a little bit creepy. And I remember distinctly noticing the amount of uh, neck wrinkles on Brandy. Um, <laughs> and the amount of... And you cake, couldn't take your eyes off it. The amount of cake to make up. Because I used to always think, you know... He's he's kept himself well preserved for his age. He looks pretty young, but it's it was just the veneer of low, low resolution TV. But when you could see it up close, I'm like, Jesus, they they've got duct tape keeping this guy together. He's about to fall to pieces. I love your language choice, by the way. He looks well preserved, like he's a corpse, like caked in <laughs> you know formaldehyde. Because I mean? like, this was a guy who was who was running around and kicking ass in the eighties. I'm like, man, he's you know, and he was he was sort of the back end of his career even then, you know. And you're just thinking, well. Oh, he's he's definitely looked after himself. Well, I mean, he played into the nineties, but whatever. Um, 
so I remember just thinking, like, really noticing it with him in particular more than right. the others because because I always thought he looked really young, like a Michael J. Fox of rugby league. Yeah. Um, but, but when you saw him on like high definition, and I haven't seen him on ultra high definition, thank God. Mm. But I just he remember looked more like just, the real Michael yeah, J. Fox. I just remember, <laughs> <laughs> which is a problem. I, uh, I I agree with you, mate. In yeah. fact, the first time I got a great TV, uh, I remember Kevin Campion was on. And there's a mug you never want to see up close in high detail because there are some things better left unseen. Yeah. Um, so I completely understand that. But look, this this idea, I do think it has legs. And I like the idea of the ambient sound, so that could be one option. The other option I was thinking of was if, obviously, there's uh, not always the 17 players on the field at once, right? You've got four players on the bench doing nothing, <laughs> right? So when people come off, why can't there be a commentary team where it's the four players you have on the bench, Right, so you can go. All right, well, I'm going to get the game called by the Warriors bench at the moment. It's not four Maori names I can't. That actually does bring me to what I was going to suggest before. Given you're going to have four Warriors players on the bench, and we all know how indecipherable the Kiwi language is, (laughs) I think that a good option instead of having other commentators, but having uh, interpreters who go over the top of the commentary. Like you ever watch a? They uh, dub them. Yeah, exactly. Like if you if you had them on the ground, they're actually like you know uh, movie star level interpreters uh, in Europe who cover a lot of the old um, uh, movie stars. Like there's a guy who's famous for basically doing the voice of Schwarzenegger and Stallone and all these yeah, people. Yeah, that's right. He's more popular than Schwarzenegger. Yeah, think. precisely. Right. So it'd be interesting if you could do that and just have them like you know a commentary team just dubbing it real time in a new language. Okay, so there on the screen, I'm just trying to visualize this. You've got the Warriors bench, they're the commentary team, they're saying stuff, but over the top is an Austrian guy who may not be understanding the game of rugby league. I was thinking more an Australian who understands New Zealand. No, Austrian's far better, yeah. it's genius. More <laughs> after this. Welcome back to the Voluntary Tackle. We're playing the role of Nostradamus. Uh, we love doing that because we love playing Frenchmen who are on some combination of heroin and LSD, uh, particularly when they're five centuries ago. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it makes the Saturday nights fly by, doesn't it, Xander? Depending on the concoction, I think. Yeah, it depends on what size of the cod piece. But look, we won't get uh, too buried down in that for the moment because what we're trying to do is find out how we think the Newcastle Knights will go this year. Um, just to give everyone a bit of a rundown, not sure if you remember this uh, last season, listeners, um, but it started out full of promise. Um, you had the likes of Kalen Ponger on the up, Mitchell Pierce, everyone loved him at that stage. Nathan Brown, everyone was saying, oh, he's a bit of a battler of a coach. Uh, Ramian, isn't he a star? Uh, and obviously, mid-season, uh, all the wheels fell off. Um, they started off actually pretty poorly. They ran into a good run of form, and then they completely came off the rails. Uh, it ended, I don't know if you remember, uh, Kalen Ponga put a strawberry milkshake down his pants and then repeatedly shook his pelvis and made himself a cock milkshake. I don't know if you remember that. Allegedly, what, allegedly. Allegedly. Sorry, mate. I should. Whilst receiving news that his coach got sacked. Exactly, yeah. It sort of didn't seem to give a shit that Nathan Brown had gone. So there was a lot of stuff going on there behind the scenes. Nathan Brown was obviously on the nose of a few of the players, particularly Ramian, who's gone now to the Sharks, who I think is going to probably have a big year over there. Um, so there's not a huge amount of acquisitions. They have got Braley from the Sharks um, and a few players have retired. Kenny Dale's gone to England. So it's not as though, Xander, there's a big change in the number of, in the actual cattle or the roster for the Newcastle Knights. Having said all of that, I think this year, for mine, will be a lot better than last year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it's funny that we bring up Newcastle in the context of effectively, you know, uh, this, this episode where we've talked about offcuts of, of sides um, you know, out to prove themselves. Because in a lot of ways, uh, you know, the Newcastle Knights uh, over the past few years have, have been made up 
at their core of offcuts of championship roosters team from back in 2013 right that's right the guys um, we didn't want anymore the ones yeah. that had expired and gone off yeah and, and that that dynamic i'm just thinking you know with we're looking to that as evidence as as uh, as to how um rejected players can come good <laughs> probably is a is the counterpoint well, is that <laughs> more of an act of sabotage on behalf of the sydney roosters to give them our players that we knew had already peaked a bit like dumping a bunch of off avocados on someone you go <laughs> why don't you make yourself a nice guacamole and you go thanks but it tastes like shit that's kind of what we did to the newcastle knights because we knew deep down in our hearts that aiden guerra was never going to be good again yeah, no, that's probably a fair way of putting it. And and there is there is the wrinkle in the analogy. I I, I probably should should. Uh, you gonna talk about brandy again? <laughs> <laughs> Please, mate. I just got over that. I've been sick of the toilet. Anyway, go on. Anyway, the wrinkle in the um, yeah, not the neck. Um, the wrinkle in the analogy being that um, those rejected players tended to be at the start of their careers rather than the middle or the end of them. Um, yeah, as so, I said. Yeah. So uh, I I um I I see what you're saying in that you know. Uh, they're going to have a change of coach and that could change the culture of the place. Mm. Um, but, you know, Adam O'Brien, he's got his work cut out for him, I think, up there. He does. We should talk about him because he's obviously the major change agent up there at Newcastle this year. Nathan Brown uh, sort of went barely unceremoniously, mm. went in the middle of the night. No one didn't make a big song and dance about his departure, sort of went very smoothly. He did. I don't know if it was... Without song and dance, uh, look. To it some was a, there was a halftime interview where, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, a little it, bit dramatic. It was probably there was a lot of song, uh, singing and dancing when he was there. Yeah, uh, but when he finally jumped off the cliff, there wasn't a lot of fuss made about it. I Just think. a thud, exactly. Um, and I think that's sort of a Nathan Brown um, approach, to be honest. Is that when it gets to the end, make it quick. I think that's what um, most of the Barley Nine said to the gunman uh, moments before. Exiting this mortal coil. But look, we've got dark. That, We're going to go dark. back to... Ad- <laughs> that got really dark. We're going to get to Adam O'Brien very quickly. Um, now, on Adam O'Brien... Adam O'Brien's going to understand a lot about dark this season. <laughs> That's right. Well, look, he has great pedigree. I, I mean, even though we've said he's an untested first-grade NRL coach, um, he's had a good look at the systems down at the Melbourne Storm, good look at the systems at the Sydney Roosters. He's been as an assistant role uh, to two, arguably the two best coaches in the NRL at the moment. You couldn't get a better apprenticeship than that. To me, I mean, people speak very fondly of him. I think he is going to change the place. And I've never thought that the Newcastle Knights' problem has been a talent problem. I think it's been a cultural problem Mm. and a consistency issue. I think Adam O'Brien will iron those things out. I think there will be a big improvement from the Knights this year. So the, the question I have is, is Adam O'Brien the culture guy, though? Like, I mean, he transformed the Roosters' attack True. in 2019 uh, to the point where, you know, like on all the key stats, they were well up. It, it's it's sort of one of those things we kind of gloss over, but the Roosters actually did better in every category in 2019 than they did in 2018. They just happened to finish, finish second because the Storm had a stellar regular season year. Um, but is he... Um, what The thing about the Roosters has been their culture has been built by... Uh, Trent Robinson, and he he is a notoriously culture-focused coach. He, I'm sure Adam O'Brien would have taken a lot of those lessons on board, but is he the guy to, to run that? Because I think it almost it takes a slightly obsessive and charismatic personal, personality. You know, I'm just not sure. I, 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 he's clearly a very bright and capable uh, coach in a lot of ways, but I, I have question marks as to whether or not he brings those dimensions. It's funny you mentioned, you mentioned Robinson being 
uh, charismatic and as and I guess if you put Bellamy in that same category, they, that's actually one word I wouldn't necessarily apply to either of those men. They've got so many virtues, but mm. charisma, especially Bellamy, like, so doesn't not, strike me as particularly charismatic. They're not. They're not. Um, they're not charismatic in the you know. Uh, He's a long lead, way from George Clooney. Leading, that's what I'm saying. Uh, yeah, and yeah, no, I'm. They're not going to start a mass movement with their speeches, but they're um they're notoriously uh, well regarded by their players as almost mm. father figures and uh, mentors, right? That's so that's true. what I mean by charismatic. They're not, right. They're, they're not. They're not charismatic in the political leader sense, but they or even in the romantic sense. No, no. Uh, yeah. Do you think that Craig Bellamy, when he went out dating, for example, would bring the same kind of intensity as he does to coaching? You mean if his soup didn't get there on time? <laughs> Just an interesting message. I want, I want fucking sex now! <laughs> Do you think he did a bit of that? Uh, well, that sounded really rapey. To <laughs> Me too, mate. <laughs> I've got the entire Bellamy family. I apologise. <laughs> I love that you. you I, I went to soup and you went to sex straight away. You know. I don't know why, mate. And, and sometimes they mix. You know, if it's a nice uh, chowder. Anyway. <laughs> we're, we're, <laughs> It won't go down that position. <laughs> um, you might have a point there, mate, on the charisma front. And look, I think quite rightly, what we've kind of alluded to here is that O'Brien is an untested quantity. We don't know that for sure, but we do know he's had an amazing apprenticeship. The two best coaches speak uh, very highly of him. To me, that says a lot. Mm. Um, and and I, I have kept a bit of an eye on what the preseason looks like there at the Newcastle Knights. I know this sounds like a bit of a uh, cliched story but it does look as though um, they're a happy mob they're training well there's been a lot of rhetoric about um, unity mm. in particular I've heard that a, lo- a number of times from both uh, Pierce and Ponga and Watson um, so I just think that, that this could be a bit of a changing the guard moment mm. having said all of that Newcastle Knights does have a horrible history of making mincemeat of its coaches even the, the great Wayne Bennett wasn't particularly no. successful there and not since Michael Hagen have they really experienced any success Sander so um, yeah there's a lot of writing on the wall there that it's not a particularly easy city to coach there's been a lot of ink spilled about that too you know that they they kind of go up there and they're the only show in town mm. and so it actually allows them a bit of freedom and takes the pressure off them which which in some ways is good um, but in other ways maybe it's it's not ideal um, are they going to miss Kenny Dow? He's gone. He's doing um, lines over in the UK now. <laughs> <laughs> he's doing a completely different type of I, cocaine. Good I, luck to him. I think. I think. Uh, I hear it's better over there. Um, <laughs> I, I. I think they will miss him. Kenny, Kenny Dow. You know, he wasn't. He, uh, he definitely didn't have his best years at the at the Knights, but he wasn't bad by any means. No, I actually quite liked yeah. him. I think he was still uh, probably undervalued, to be honest. Mm. He had those horrible hands. That was the only issue of Kenny Dow. Yeah, there occasionally. Yeah. One in 19 games, he would hand to the opposition single-handedly. It wasn't one brain explosion. It was a succession mm. of brain explosions. It's like Ferguson had that same problem for a while, and then all of a sudden he fixed it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He just goes, I'm good now. Yeah, it was like he got glue on his hand you know, <laughs> one year and you're like, well, shit, you're not dropping the ball anymore. I know. And then we won the comp. It was good times. Um, now, in terms of churn, there's not a lot at the Newcastle Knights. Um, we've already mentioned Kenny Dow. There's a few players that have moved on. I think Guerra's moved on. Um, but interestingly, they did have an issue uh, at hooker. Um, so Danny Levi, I just read today, has left the club for Manly. So Manly had a hooking problem as well. So he's gone there and never replaced him with one Jaden Braley from the Sharks. He's a great up-and-coming player. Um, they look to have a pretty good-looking spine for me. Uh, but look, this is the question I'm going to pose to you, Xander. Where would you put that key spine? So the likes of Connor Watson, Ponga, Pierce, 
where would you where would you place these guys? Well, I mean, you, I, I don't think you you shift Ponger out of fullback. Keep him there. Yeah, you know, I think. I mean, he's you know you're not going to put put him in the halves again. Do you think Watson can be a number six? I actually think you can. He, he wouldn't be a traditional five eight. He's always lacked a little bit of the ball skill, but one thing he has is lightning speed, and he's a try scoring machine. He can put people through a gap. Maybe you might be a good foil for Mitchell Pearce. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes you see it a lot with halves where a, a, an older, steadier hand um, and, a, and a, I guess a more creative younger half are actually often quite a good combination because you can build structure around your mm. older half and it doesn't matter if they're six or seven, it seems to be. Yeah, um, and very different styles, right? Yeah. Mitchell Pearce is a very before-the-line construction player, Yeah. whereas Watson will be the guy running at the line. Precisely, and that's that's kind of the um, you know the, the model they had with with Kronk and Kiri, right? Because you know Kronk provided the the structure, and Kiri would would basically provide us with all our creativity. So I mean, there there is that like probably going to be a breaking in period. And it was interesting this year because they what they won. I, I think they lost seven games and they won seven games and then they lost pretty well the rest of the season. Yeah, like, it was some some weird it pattern. Like that. It was a that. really weird season. They had an amazing yeah. middle patch. Yeah. where they were knocking over top scalps. Yeah, yeah. Generally during the Origin period. True, they were doing a bit yeah. of a New Zealand Warriors yeah. weren't they? But, <laughs> um, and remember that was a beautiful moment where Mitchell Pierce kissed his jersey as they thumped the Roosters. Um, I've erased that from my memory. He, well, they, he thumped a Roosters team with 19 players out. Yeah. Uh, but still, he and was Kiri he injured in the it. first 30 seconds. <laughs> That's right. Um, faced his ninth concussion for the year. Now, we should go to social. We did ask everyone, how will the Newcastle Knights perform in 2020? Uh, the options were, will they finish top four, top eight, same as last year or worse than last year? And the overwhelming response was the same as last year. For anyone that's on Twitter, um, Xander and Eamon have actually put out our forecast of the top 1-16 to 16 for 2020 in the NRL. Um, and for the record, Xander, you have the Knights finishing in 13th place. I actually have them making the finals, all but just scraping in anyway, in 8th place. Can you walk us through why you have them finishing 13th? Yeah, I mean, to be, to be completely honest, I the lack of... Um uh, I suppose brains runs, yeah, because brains, Mitchell's uh, Mitchell's in there. My my concern is the fact that they're going to effectively have a new spine again, and it'll be one with a, a, still a fair bit of young blood, and not really convinced that their forward pack is going to lay the platform. You know, Kenny Dowell, as I said, I didn't think he was having a bad year. Um, you know that they, they, they lose a bit of punch in the centres, in my view, without him, and I, I think it'll just take a while for them to to really develop their combinations and and for. O'Brien, frankly, to work the place out. I think they're going to really rue the miss of Ramian. I think he's going to have a big year at the Sharks. And it's a shame he had a personality conflict there with the coach who's now gone. So that's probably not going to serve them very well. Um, I, to, for the record, I just want to see them just make eighth so that I can see Mitchell Pearce lose in a heartbreaking finals game first week. Well, that brings us into the end of the show, Xander. Uh, our first show for 2020, by the way. Um, Happy New Year. We do, that's a weird thing to sort of um, bid you at the very end of the show. It's, not, it's traditional to do that at the beginning of the show, but um, I haven't said it to you yet. So Happy New Year, Xander. And a quick question. Has anyone ever come up to you and said, wow, I think it's going to be a visionary year this year? Because I tell you, I've had four people say it to me and it gives me the shits. A visionary year? As in 2020 vision. Oh. Who are these cunts? Honestly, <laughs> I, took, I, I genuinely didn't get that. You had to really spell it out for me. But um, no, nobody's nobody said a 2020 vision year <laughs> to me. 
Well, I did want to wish you that on that on that note, and it is our first show of the season. We will be ripping through these um, as consistently as we can. We want to be the only NRL podcast taking the off-season more seriously than the on-season, uh, which is something we've done historically very well, haven't we, Xander? Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to the break once the season starts. Yeah, round one, we'll have a good layoff. I'm really looking forward to that because this off-season is fucking killing me. Uh, but you can keep up with the show on Twitter. We are uh, at the handle at Voluntary Tackle. We have some initial social profiles set up on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, promise to do something with those soon. Um, I don't, we haven't done anything just yet. You can also follow us on different platforms. You can get us on Stitcher, um, Apple Podcasts. I think we're on Google Play. And um, I think at the moment, we're also playing uh, on Scott Morrison's next Hawaiian trip uh, exclusively. So we're very happy about that. So until next time, just do what half a million koalas would do and get horribly burnt en masse. See you next time. Oh, that's awful.